If you have your scripture, I'm going to be reading out of the Old Testament and out of the New Testament. Uh, you were also given, oh my gosh, it's this time of the year. For some reason, I thought I was going to be ahead in my Christmas planning and stuff. It didn't happen. So you were given today a uh, sheet that looks like this, a half a sheet that has a poinsettia. If you, a poinsettia, one of those. If you, uh, if you would like to order one, please uh, fill out the form and deposit it in the offering plate, and we will be getting those in the next two or three weeks, in, in the next couple of weeks for all of us. After the worship service of the 24th, we're having two, one at 4 o'clock and 7.30, instead of 7, 7.30, um, you can take yours home with you. We will also, uh, the, the Reach Out Ministry will be passing, and the, care, care, um, the Spiritual Growth Team will be also passing some of them to the, our homebound individuals. If you have your scripture with you, uh, in what page is it in Isaiah? 585. And uh, Okay, let's do the Isaiah first. I'm going to be reading out of Isaiah, and in this particular uh, chapter, this is a very pivotal chapter in the book of Isaiah because it is also here in the preceding one, not so much, but in this one and the following chapters up to 49, you are going to be reading, you're going to be exposed to the promises of God to the people of Israel, which we, of course, claim for us these days as believers in Jesus Christ. We are the Israel of God. And it is also in this chapter where we find the famous statement, the famous verse in verse 19 that says, and I am about to do something new. Do you remember that one? That we use and burnt in our beginning of light of hope, I'm about to do something new. And we kept saying, I'm about to do something new. And God kept saying, God was about to do something new in our midst. Well, we have a bulletin board downstairs that has that statement, I'm about to do something new. And tomorrow, a group of us are going to be doing the other ones that said, I have already started, continues the verse. Do you not see it? I have already started, says the verse. Do you not see it? So we're going to put pictures so that we can be reminded and see what God has already began here at Light of Hope. So in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 7, please listen to and for the word of the Lord. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says... Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, you're mine. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burnt up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Israel as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Sheba in your place. Others have given it in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from the east and the west, and I will say to the north and the south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel. 
from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God. For I have made them for my glory. I, it was I who created them. The word of the Lord in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we find a very peculiar passage, uh, but also uh, the words of Jesus and in the circumstances in which he is found, he is pressed to say something about worship and our identity. Jesus has actually uh, said in Jerusalem, this chapter 19 of Luke, he is actually in the process of the triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem, marking the beginning of Holy Week as we traditionally call it. But Jesus says something very important as that was happening. And we pick up the story as he is riding the donkey into the city. It says, as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the mountain of olives, all his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But some of the Pharisees. But some of the Pharisees. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, Rebuke your followers for saying things like that. Jesus replied, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheer. The word of the Lord. I enjoy theology. I don't know why. Because the more I study it, the more questions I have. And the more questions I have, the more I know that I know nothing. However, some things are left behind and some things remain in our souls and in our minds that are absolutes about the Word of God. Some things remain that are truth about human nature, no matter what experience, where we come from, what we experience here or there. A basic theological principle is that God made us as worshipers. God did not make you to be a woman. God did not create you to be a man. God did not create you to be an attorney, to be a, a worker B, to be a supervisor B, to be a warrior B, or to be the queen B. That is not the purpose for which God created us. God created us for God's own purpose. So that we, in the first text says, so that we will be God's glory. Do you know what God's glory means? Who has a flashlight? Look for it. Because God's glory means shining forth the goodness of God. So if, if, if I got you burnt today. If Joyce is doing something to the glory of God, what she's doing is beaming her big old light right on her. And people don't see her People see the glory of God through her. That is giving or offering God the glory. So when we talk about giving God the glory, that we were created for worshiping God, 
God did not make us to be workers. God did not make us only to born, have kids. Some of us, some of us don't. Thank God. So, it's more than that. God shaped you and I so that we would be worshipers. Our Reformed theology states that in the following fashion, in the first question of the famous Shorter Catechism of Westminster, it asks, what is the purpose? What is the purpose? What is the purpose of my life? And we answer it joyfully to worship God, glorify God, and enjoy God forever. So no matter who we are, no matter where we were, our DNA requires demands and it leads us to worshiping something or someone. By nature, we are worshipers. Our nature leads us to worship something or someone always. Whether we're doing it consciously or unconsciously, we are worshiping slash following something or someone. Let me ask you, let me ask you just briefly this morning, because since we are worshiping creatures, we are worshiping that that occupies our attention, occupies our time, and occupies our motivation. We worship that that demands our time, that that demands our life, that that demands our money. You see, when Jesus saw the crowds, just before he entered Jerusalem, Luke tells us that he looked at the crowd and he felt compassion towards them because he saw them going clueless, moving aimlessly, moving without purpose, busy as can be, but without the real purpose for which they were created. They were not in tune with the song that was created. They were not in tune with the melody that God created for them to swing and to move and soothingly dance in their lives. He saw them as people moving around as sheep without a shepherd. And what happens is that we tend to become that which we worship. We tend to become that which we worship. So if we, if we worship stuff, if we worship things in our lives, that's what we're going to become. We're going to become dry, materialistic pragmatists. That's a big word. Dry is okay. Without flavor, without sabor, you know, with nothing. Materialistic that things are more important than you, than your own family, and that your own life. And pragmatism means that whatever works is what you will do. If we worship and follow power, we will become self-righteous and very easily abuse and, and be unjust to others. If we worship and follow money, we will become empty and dissatisfied and greedy because money never satisfies our souls. It pays our bills. It gets me the Cadillac if I want it. It gets me the night and the yachts. No, that was canceled. <laughs> but that's it. And we're empty again. Even if we worship sex, we just become insensitive and addictive to the whole issue. But if we worship and follow Jesus, how different could that be? But if we worship and follow Jesus, the things of Jesus will rub on us. 
You see? If we worship and follow Jesus, we may even become like Jesus without you even trying. That's what happens. Because you see, when you begin to worship and see the love that comes out of Jesus, you become that kind of love too. When we worship and follow the way in which Jesus forgives, we become forgivers also. When we see Jesus' faith, oh, a faith that he didn't see us as we saw, as we see each other. He saw us with a potential of creatures being called by God, fashioned for God's good purposes since before the foundation of the earth. If we worship Jesus and follow his powers, then it will be our power. If we follow Jesus and worship Jesus, his grace becomes our grace. His compassion becomes our compassion. His faith becomes our faith. His power becomes our power. His forgiveness becomes our forgiveness. His love becomes our love. His vision and hope becomes ours. So how then does a life of worship look like? If that is not the life of worship, but a life of worship is to follow Jesus and to become more like God, what does that look like? It is not a stagnant experience, let me say. It is not a a situation of complacency. It is not self-seeking. It is not self-pleasing or self-gratifying. It is not even egotistic. On contrary, or on the contrary, It is actually a life of reverence and honoring and dutifulness. Because God, God himself is our person of worship. Not an object, not a tradition, not a building, not a way of worshiping. God, God himself is our object of worship. The life of worship follows Jesus will be tested. Oh, we will be tested. We will be challenged in our following and becoming like Jesus. And guess what? We will lose some and we will win some, but at the end, we know we have the victory. A life of worship is also a life that is dynamic, a life that is exciting, a life that is action-oriented because it is lived and it is lived and powered, not by Google, but by the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus, when he was confronted as he was walking down the passage in Jerusalem, A week before he was brought up and nailed to the tree. He was confronted by the naysayers. Oh, this is not new for Jesus. That's why when I read the, 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 and, but some of the Pharisees, but some of the Pharisees, oh, they show up everywhere in Jesus' life. And what is their role? What is the role of the Pharisee in the story of Jesus? No, don't say that word. The role of the Pharisees was always to confront and go against him. The role of the Pharisees was always, always never understanding Jesus. They never got it. They never got it. The Pharisees, these were just not getting what God was doing in their place, in their time. They were not seeing what God was doing in, right in their middle, in the middle of them. They didn't see what God was doing. They actually, they didn't like Jesus' healing. They didn't like the miracles he did. They didn't like the things he said. The time he spent with sinners, they hated it. The power he displayed by forgiving others, they condemned him. 
They didn't get it. They miss God and God's moving in their own time and place. They miss the boat. Would you like that to happen to you? Being in a place where God is moving and not seeing it. Being in a place that God is actually doing something in our time, in our space, and not being sensitive to it. You know why they weren't sensitive to it? Because they weren't in tune with God. They were in tune with themselves. They were in tune with their own scarcity. They were in tune with with what they thought worship was supposed to be like. They were in tune with despair. They were in tune with tradition. They were in tune with the past. And let me tell you, being in tune with the past is not that bad. Because it is because we are in tune with the past that we know the promises of Jesus. But we do not stay in tune with the past and forget God. That had a purpose. And now we celebrate what those prophecies of old were now with a new covenant. They didn't get it. They were following themselves and not God. They were following buildings and traditions, rules and regulations, Things that they had been doing all their lives the same way over and over again. But let me ask you this morning. Have you seen Jesus acting, moving, speaking, nudging, changing, comforting, loving, forgiving people in light of hope? Amen. We have. So why not follow the Jesus that's here today? The Jesus that is showing himself in our midst. And instead of thinking of scarcity and despair, fear and tradition in the past, let's think of today and what God who has sent us the head of the church with us is going to do here and now and for us. Worship and following the way of Jesus and your life will change. You see, because if you keep your life, you will lose it. But if you give it up for the sake of the gospel, you will gain it. What good does it do? Jesus said, if you keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheer. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you Because for some strange, weird reason, you chose to bring us out of wherever we were, whoever we are. And there was no block between you and us. Through Christ, you had actually removed every single block between you and I. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for calling us to follow and worship Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us a true life of worship, surrendered to you, dependent upon you, 
and solely dedicated to you. Thank you for the move of your spirit this morning. Thank you for the joy that my sisters and brothers expressed. And now give us ears to listen one more time. Your word as you shared it through Paul saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that way you may discover what is the good, perfect, and joyful will of God for our lives. Amen and amen.